guys, I'm Jess. And I'm Heidi. And welcome to another episode of Betty Squared. Today we are looking at chapter 112, American Psychos. So obviously the uh, the through line for this episode is the musical American Psychos, which was a huge failure on Broadway, uh, but now has this like cult following, I suppose. I guess. I didn't know about that. I I remember it was playing when I first moved to New York, like from Australia, and I was like, oh, that would be so cool. And then I talked to a couple of people, and they're like, it is the worst thing you will ever see on the face of the earth. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I remember a friend of mine, also from Australia, came to visit, and he went to see it, and apparently halfway through the show, there was some technical issue or something like that, and the lead was like, sorry, folks, live theater, we have these issues sometimes, like in the middle of the performance, which like, you so don't do. You yeah. so don't do. That's very awkward. Yeah, the, sh- the show for me was going on when I was there, Um but before it came to Broadway, it was a West End production first. And that's how I heard about it, because Matt's, Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor, for anyone who doesn't know, um, and many other things as well now, um, was the lead. Um, and he was oh. gorgeous. Yeah. And you can look up clips of it still, of the West End production, and you could hear his... It was like one of the first times I heard him doing an American accent, and... Um, and he's gorgeous, and it's just beautiful with him. Um, so it wasn't ex- exciting to go see it if he wasn't, since he wasn't in it in the Broadway show. But I remember there are like a few things I remember about going to see it. First was that when for walk-ins um, to the show, like when you're entering and going to your seats, the sound it wasn't music or silence. It was like radio. It was like your TV on the like shuffly screen like you know the if you fall asleep with your tv on back oh. in the day and then it, it was like that the entire walk in it made me so anxious which maybe was the intention because it's a it's kind of a thrillery movie that it's based on and then very high 80s theme which makes sense for one of the songs that is brought over into riverdale but which makes the song make sense, but not in the context in Riverdale. We'll talk about that more. But And then the other thing I remember is that during the big murder scene, it's right before, I believe it was right before intermission, and what they did was lowered this screen onto the stage in front of, um, or yeah, in front of the action. And so then when he's killing the person, there's like big blood splatter and stuff up on the thing. And that was kind of cool. Right. Um, but yeah, it was a shitty show. It was bad. <laughs> oh, God. And yeah, I just, I kind of wanted to see it just because I was so interested in the the movie and the, um, you know, the storyline. But yeah, I did not hear one good thing about it. No, there was like interesting, like conceptual stuff to it and like costuming and things like that. But otherwise, it was pretty bad. The writing and the, the music it's pretty bad as we see in, in this. And it also makes me wonder, why did they go with American Psychos? They're, this is not the only serial killer or even just like murder musical. Assassins. Uh, there's Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. Like there's so many. Sweeney Todd. Like there's so many. Yeah. I don't understand. I think they were trying to be really hip and modern. 
and perhaps this is the most modern serial killer musical. But again, it was a flop. So I don't know why, but I think it was probably just an excuse for uh, for Kevin to get up there and sing, which I have thoughts on too, but we'll get to that in due course. Yes. Yeah. My first note of the episode, and just to just to hold for a second, Betty, Betty, Heidi said to me two seconds before we're about to record. So remember all positive notes for this episode, and I went, oh. And then she's like, "That's okay. We can we can go through the positive notes first, and then the negative notes." And I was like, um. <laughs> so. Never mind about that. <laughs> yeah. That's totally fine. <laughs> oh, God. But here is my first note. Okay. So I'm a little confused because Betty ran out of town, TBK, right? He was there. He was, like, on Archie's work team, but we're still not really sure if that was really him. I'm still not convinced that Drake, like, doesn't have something to do with this all. So Betty leaves town and and he follows her. And then she comes back and she says, I've lost him. But now she's trying to lure him back again. I confused. Yeah. Very confused. Pretty pointless. Okay. Cause yeah, I didn't really understand what was happening there. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think there was much to understand. I think it's exactly what cool. you said. Yep. Okay, great. Wonderful. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't alone on that because <laughs> yes, I was thoroughly confused <gasps> oh god no, i think that's well then yep moving right along <laughs> moving right along um yeah god i can't stand veronica oh. she's so presentational yeah like She's like, oh, Kevin's doing these songs from the hit musical uh, American Psychos by blah, 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 and uh, book and lyrics by blah, blah, blah. No one fucking cares. Just say Kevin is singing a song, bitch. Like, no one cares. That's not her fault. That's the writers. But she she always speaks like that. It's always her that has to overdo it. It's like when you read a Stephen King book. I don't know if you or any of our listeners ever have. It's very difficult to get through because he tells you so much about the thing related to the thing that maybe helps move the story on. Like, um, and nipples and nipples. But I mean, to be talk- fair, he wrote a lot he's of always his work talking about on, nipples. on coke. So, yeah, he's he was probably not breastfed as a child, so he's probably obsessed with nips now. Hyper fixated. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. But <laughs> no, you're good. But like the beginning of it. So if you have seen um, the movie, I can't remember if it's one or two. I think it might be two. Two. Because obviously the book is just the book is just one in the same. It talks all about the upbringing of this guy um, and his uh, gender identity and blah, blah, blah. It goes on for ages. Then you find out that this is the the gay couple in the beginning of It Chapter 2 that are about to be, um, that are about to have a hate crime thrust upon them by these homophobic assholes. But yeah. it goes on for so long talking about this man and his upbringing. And I'm like, wait. You told me all of that about a guy who's literally about to be murdered. I didn't need that. 
I, I didn't, I already feel bad because he is a victim of a hate crime and is murdered because of his sexuality. I, that is enough. It can stand on its own. That is what I feel um, like Veronica does. She embellishes. And yeah. I'm like, I already got it. I already got it. I'm not dumb. Let's move on. Just needless exposition needless needless exposition but again that's not her that's not veronica's fault or cammy's fault we love cammy uh it's the writers the writers they write they write bad (laughs) they write bad it makes the writing bad not good (laughs) yeah not good as as well as our english not good (laughs) hey if they don't do it well i don't have to either yeah that's very true (laughs) That's the deal. <sighs> I really anyway, thought I just hated that. Yeah, I don't. I I think I black out <laughs> like when she speaks. Like <laughs> I don't pay enough attention because I I already know I don't care like too much, and so I'm like, whatever. Like I think I just don't pay attention to that. Um, I really hated SlaughterCon. Really hated it. So here is the worst part about that. As you know, at the moment, I'm taking some classes. I'm working towards an associate in arts because I was like, why the heck not? Also, my work pays for it. So that's an added bonus to go back and do more higher education. I love education. So I'm always like, yep, let's keep going. Um, And at the moment, I'm taking an elective in criminal investigation. And I'm really enjoying it. Like, I'm fascinated by, like, how the law works and, like, the criminal justice system and, like, how you collect DNA and evidence and all of that fun stuff. I bought a ticket to an event that's happening in September in Orlando called CrimeCon. Now, I have attended these events virtually before, and they're phenomenal. You get to hear all about um, experts in their in their field and how they work towards solving cold cases, and they look at statement analysis and all of that um, victim advocacy. It's really great. The second this slaughter con started, I was like, I wish I didn't buy this ticket because I don't want to be lumped in with these crazy people. Well, that's the thing. I feel like you can take it a couple ways. It's like, it could be what I think the intention was, was for it to be a satire of that pushed to the extreme. Cause that's what satire is, right? It's, it's like, because people already think folks who are into true crime are kind of weird. Like, if you're a normie and you're not, like, a murderino or something like that, it's, like, you're kind of, like, weird for liking mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. But as we m- – most of us have figured out over the past couple years, it's not weird. We understand the connection. And even though it's a um, a dark thing to have interest in and there's good and bad that go into it, I think a lot of us are becoming more aware about – the balance of that. And so I think it's supposed to be satirical and, and blown over. And there's a lot of things about SlaughterCon that would not happen at a regular crime convention. Like, people aren't dressing up like Paul, like Ted Bundy and like, uh, like Israel Key. Like, people aren't dressing up like that. In real life, serial killers don't wear masks. Not physically. Not literally. Right. Like when they when they they there's a question about that. Why do serial killers wear masks that Betty gets and then she answers it? And I'm like, they don't. This isn't a horror movie. This isn't Halloween. This isn't, 
you know, that that's not what's happening in real life. Like, I can't think of a serial killer who's known for wearing a mask. Like, they didn't oh, do... Oh, I can actually think of two. Who? Uh, so there was a serial killer in um, Australia called Mr. Cruel. He wore a mask. Um, he wore a balaclava with basically okay. little peepholes for his eyes. And then um, didn't BTK wear a mask? Or the Golden Not State what... Killer? No. Uh, Golden State definitely didn't. And uh, BTK didn't wear a mask when he was killing. He had interest in suffocation and things like that for when he... Oh, that's right. So he would get sexual gratification from, like, doing... Putting things on and wearing different things. But he didn't... I don't think that there's proof that he wore that while while he was doing his murders. I think maybe he did... Well, definitely Mr. Cruel in Australia did. He he wore a mask. I'll have to look that one up. Yeah, but the major ones didn't. You know, when you're, you're thinking about actual serial killers. It's not... This isn't Halloween. This isn't the black hood this i think that that's very like that universe and then they were dressed up as these people and just weird outfits and yeah i i think it's gross to look at because i think we as true crime people feel that um connection that like people think this about us but knowing the actual community mm. and the actual culture around it and how much it's grown really as well and will continue to. There's still a lot of um, room for growth in, you know, victims' rights and um, and things like that. But um, I know that that's not what you're going to be going to or what, you know, like my cousin went to a, a crime con as well. She met Paul Holes and, and all that stuff. So... Um, mm-hmm. And she posted all the pictures. It's probably the same one that I'm going to. Yeah, probably. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. That was kind of my take on it. It was big yuck, though. Yeah, it made me super uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, if they really were trying to make it a satire, it, it didn't really read like that. Yeah. Uh, well, my next note, mm-hmm. it's just one word. Technically two, but I think it's one word. Smart food. Oh, God. That's Murphy I am so sick of the stupid product placement. It's so obnoxious, and Riverdale does not do it well. No, they really don't. They really don't. Just made me mad. That's all. <laughs> Just made me real, real mad. Yeah. Uh, um... We got another tie-in to Rivervale. We got a couple this episode, but Bailey's Comet. We did. Yeah, Bailey's Comet. And then we also got the um, kind of like deja vu where yes. um, uh, Tabitha, not Tabitha, Tony uh, remembered Cheryl saying about the tincture from her greenhouse, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. it's because we're in Rivervale. We are, and I can't wait for it to end because I'm over it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, my next note is... We only signed on for five episodes yeah. and, like, end of. No more. <laughs> they didn't get that memo, I guess. Ugh. They really didn't. They really didn't. Um, I thought it was really weird that 
in Frank's conversation with um, Percival, he just talks about the mind control thing. He's like, why don't you mind control him? And when talking about like the... Yeah, they just they just know this stuff now. It's strange. It's really weird. Like, he doesn't have an issue with that. He's just like, yeah, that's cool. It, it was kind of like with Reggie, where he's like, You've, you're a magician. You've got to teach me magic. Like, it just, it's kind of like when people don't ever talk about sexuality in mm-hmm. a way that exists in the real world. It's just accepted. Yeah. It's just assumed that these things exist. It's very strange. And furthermore, Kevin is under Pickens' control, right? I would think so. Right. So why is Veronica and Betty calling him and being like, hey, come perform some dance numbers when he is the literal enemy right now? Yeah. I keep thinking that, like, when Percival goes into Pops, I'm like, why is he allowed in there? It is your business, Tapitha. It's a privately owned business. You can say you are not allowed to come in here. And then he's not allowed to come in here. Right. Why, why is he there? Why is he allowed to walk into your homes and, and places? What are you doing? Girl, I do not know. I, and we never will. I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to be positive. I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> I, have a, I have a positive. I have a positive. Okay, great. Tell me. I thought that the scene with Cheryl and Tony when Tony comes to tell her that she's getting married was good. Um between them nice to see them interact we haven't seen it in a while and then heather walks up and cheryl's like and this is heather and she like strokes her arm and i was like damn girl not subtle i thought that was funny i also thought that um heather's dress was way too short she she reads older and i just feel like cheryl can get away with those little cute outfits Heather, mm. I want to see her in a longer, like, more sophisticated look because she reads older. Well, and that's because what, that's what they're putting her in already. So it's like, why are you shortening the skirt so much when you're already putting her in, like, buttoned up, you know? And they're styling her. Because if you look at that actress's Instagram, she does not read that old. Her styling is so no. bad. Ugh. But also, as well, it's like... I don't know. She's very, very tall. And as somebody who is also tall, I do not wear mini skirts because mini skirts make me look even more like, I hate to use this word, but they make me look a little skanky because they look even shorter on me than they actually are sure. because I'm tall. You know what I mean? And I felt yeah. it, it looked weird. Um, I needed her to be in a longer skirt for that particular scene. Maybe it was the way it was shot, but I was like, oh, that looks strange. I don't feel like Heather would wear that. But yeah. also, I don't... The glasses. We need to get rid of the glasses because they age her so much. The, like, slicked hair in the front with then the, like, little, like... Oh, God, Buffant. it's all... Buffant. Gosh, it's all so bad. Oh, one yeah, of the they've given too- her this 1950s look but tried to make her modern and it's just clashing. It, and I, I understand the juxtaposition between, like, the librarian thing and then her being a witch. Like, it isn't, like, that's totally fine. Like, play off of those things. But we can do, like, a modern librarian. Like, there are librarians who are our age or younger who don't look like that. Like, come on. 
Ay-yay-yay. Um, I also she must was... look like a librarian. We must know she she's must. a librarian. Oh, and I'm sorry. And to. also a registered midwife. A registered, a registered midwife. Midwife. She's yeah. not just a midwife. She's a registered midwife. Registered. That's really important we say that. <laughs> um, I also thought it was really funny. Cheryl's like casual, I'm hanging out at home outfit was this like i think it was a velvet yes velvet dress that was like yes it was (laughs) like really low cut and she looked amazing but like why are you wearing that for your like i'm sitting at home (laughs) i i was the same way so i was like she was like lying on the couch and i'm like who fucking wakes up after probably not enough sleep, because that's the world we live in, especially Riverdale, she's very relaxed, you know, she gets up and she chooses to put that outfit on and not a bra, like, which is fine. You don't have to wear a bra. Every woman no, for themselves. No, tapes her boobies up. Like, so Tapes her boobies up. No. <laughs> and puts that outfit on and goes, I'm just going to casually lounge around at home today. So here is my casual deep, 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 deep V velvet green dress yeah i i thought it was a weird choice too it was so funny i i love it for her though she would nobody wakes up and puts that outfit on i'm sorry no it's psychotic and i love it (laughs) it's crazy (laughs) and then my my next note right after that my my next note right after the like cheryl stroking heather's arm and the outfit was just like yeah cheryl totally seems fine like with her reaction and her like snapping at at heather and yeah i was like ooh, (laughs) this turned but like obviously she was never going to be okay with that no totally and the level of petty that she goes to with wanting to cast a spell on fangs and tony like directly after that i was like this is the level of petty that we know cheryl for this is infamous cheryl but that's also high school cheryl we haven't really seen that as an adult very much yeah i guess when we have seen her do that it wasn't her it was abigail i think it makes sense though in that like they're not that far removed from high school and when you're back like when you're home with everyone and then it's like your old first, like, well, Tony's technically not her first love, but her high school, like, romance, that can make you revert a little bit. So I, I can forgive it. It-, it. It's, and she also very quickly, like, it happened super fast. It was like, bless you. Um, when uh, she goes to, to, um, oh my God, can't think of anyone's name. It's Kevin about it. And they do it. That happened really fast. And then. Like, as soon as she found out that it was affecting the baby, she fixed it. Which maybe wouldn't have been a Cheryl thing from before. Probably she would have. But, like, there was no hesitation. And I think that that showed the maturity that, like, oh, this is affecting more than just them. I won't let it hurt that kid. And I'm gonna fix it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, yeah, it was... I felt like it was two steps back for her but then at least she fixed it so yeah you you are right she has grown quote unquote (laughs) yes it's baby steps you know speaking of baby um 
I have an updated baby Anthony counter that I will wait for for later to reveal. Okay. But when Cheryl did go over to drop off the muffins, uh, and then you know discovers that Anthony is unwell, did you notice her cloak? She was like Little Red Riding Hood. No, but that makes so much sense. I'm not shocked. She had a cloak with a hood. The hood was and a up. Little basket. And the little basket. It was very little red riding hood. I was like, girl, just put on a sweater like everybody else. Why you gotta be so extra? Well, cause it's Cheryl. <laughs> oh god. Well, again, talking about crime conventions and true crime and all of that, one thing that I have been really fascinated with for a long time is statement analysis and the fact that um people generally say what they mean. Words do give people yeah. away. And um, there was a really good example of um, like your classic statement analysis in some of Kevin's dialogue once they realized mm. that Anthony had been harmed because of the spell. So when people want to uh, separate themselves from a crime or something bad that's gone on, they try to uh, not personalize anything. So up until now, Kevin has been talking about, you know, my baby, he's mine, you know, Anthony, blah, 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 blah. When they discover that the spell has gone awry, um, Kevin says, I can't believe we hurt that baby. Which, yeah. again, he's saying the word that, which um, disconnects him and baby mm -hmm. rather than naming him completely uh separates him from his crime which i was like yes okay statement analysis right here so that is the first time i will ever compliment writing on riverdale well and i wondered too how much of that because i heard that too and the way i took it was that he's now come to terms with the with baby anthony not being his baby uh, so i was wondering how much of it was I, I totally i think that that's a really great point from you and then i also wonder how much of it is also him distancing himself from baby anthony to also transition out of feeling like a parent to to that baby so i think it's kind of a little huh. bit of both maybe yeah very interesting very interesting because I didn't interpret it like that at all. But yeah. again, I was coming from my current semester in criminal yes. investigation and statement analysis background. So, I yeah, that. but that was, like I said, the first and probably last time I will ever compliment the writing on this show. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, next, I have notes about Drake and the stuff going on with Betty this episode. Drake. Yes, I mean, we called it. Yeah, we knew. And the way that Betty is smiling when she, like, can't stop smiling when Drake's like, yeah, I thought that there was something between us and, like, I was catching these vibes and stuff like that. And Betty's like, oh, my God, really? Like, oh my God, me? No way. That's crazy. Like, she was so into it. Um... Even if she's, like, you know, conflicted about Archie and, and stuff like that. Like, she was like, oh, my God. Me? Who? Huh? Like, she loved she loved it. I could just tell. I was going to say everybody loves um, a nice, you know, 
compliment where you hear that somebody is attracted to you. Whether you want to act on it or not, it's always nice to, you know, feel desired. Yeah. Um, and to be complimented. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was really cute. It was really cute. It was very cute. Um, the dream when she woke up after, like, when, when Drake's, like, bringing her coffee in the morning, I was like, oh, my God. And then she, like, woke up and I was like, oh, okay. Because I was like, did she really just cheat on Archie? Um, <laughs> but I did like the fact that Drake asked if they were exclusive as mm-hmm. well. I, I kind of, you know, we as a, as a human race, um, and I think – Maybe I've talked to you about this before. Maybe we've talked about it on the podcast. I can't remember. But we as a species are not supposed to just be with one person. We um, are not meant to be, um, is it monogamist? Is that the word? Monogamous. Not mahogany. That's the word. Yeah. <laughs> um, monogamist. Yeah. Monogamous, not mahogany. Great. Um, no. we, we innately want to be with multiple people and that is something that religion and social constructs have taken away from us now i am a very old-fashioned gal i do believe that there is just the one person for you um that being said you know i also believe that if a relationship doesn't work there is the possibility to go and find somebody else that also works for you but i'm very much a one person at a time kind of gal i i wouldn't want to open myself up to other people whilst also being in a relationship but i have friends that are. I have friends that are married that invite other people into their relationship. I have friends who are um, not pansexual. What's the other word? What's the word? Uh, polyamorous. Polyamorous. Thank you. I have friends that are polyamorous. Um, and I kind of like that Riverdale touched on that a little bit to be like, well, if you guys aren't exclusive, how do you feel about like me coming into the equation? And I was like, eh. I kind of dig that. Let's let's just include everybody for for what they are. And I kind of liked that she was like, I'm okay to just be like your side piece. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay to be an option. I'm cool to be another option for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a- if, if Riverdale aired in maybe like another five, six years, I think that realistically would have been an option she that Betty would have been interested in. Yeah, because even if it's outside of the polyamory sort of thing, exclusive can also mean like you're date, you're dating, you're not, um, but you're dating other people too. Like, it doesn't even have to go as far as like polyamory to like be folks who just aren't exclusive. And I think exactly what you said, people are made in so many different ways, and there's so many different ways to have a relationship, and it's very possible for someone to have love and affection for multiple people at one time and for it not to lessen one relationship or the other like you you don't have to just live in that white picket fence way which was like a big top topic for betty this episode is that what she wants is is this really what she wants in general and i could see betty going you know no maybe that's not what she wants maybe you know, for some part of her life, she needs to have some some options or maybe that would never be, you know, what works for her. We'll kind of have to wait and see. But I'm curious to see how that journey goes for her, because, you know, what we've all been sold is like, at least uh, as an American, like 
grown up here, um, not native, obviously, but like, you know, I was born in the US and I've lived my my whole life here. You know, the thing that's sold to us is that like white picket fence, you know, 2.5 kids, you know, that whole lifestyle where you find one person and then you're in love for the rest of your life. But obviously we've all found that that's not necessarily true for everyone. And there are so many options. The world is so wide. Why, why close yourself off to something that might be really fulfilling? Right, exactly. But yeah, at least this conversation between Betty and Drake started the conversation, a very honest conversation between Betty and Archie. And I really liked that. Yeah. And I liked too, that, uh, that, the way that it was handled, you know, of Drake going to Betty about it and talking to her. I know there was, like, Veronica brought up some professionalism stuff. Who is she to talk about professionalism? Fuck off, Veronica. I didn't like much of- Yeah, she should have- She should have just kept her nose out of it. Like, really. I think it's fine to be like, hey, like, do you need anything? I'm here for you if you want to talk. Like, I think that that's fine, but I think she just had bad opinions about it, and I didn't love that. Um, so, yeah. But the way that Drake did it was was as pre- professional as you can get in that sort of situation. And I think it opened up that conversation like we've talked about. But I liked, too, that Drake wasn't, like, predatory to Betty. Like, it didn't come off at all as, like, kind of her, like, aggressively going after Betty or anything like that. And she was very understanding of Betty's response, like, when she received it. Because I think that there's this really... Yeah, there's this really bad stereotype with queer folk coming on to straight, quote-unquote, or presumably straight characters of being, like, villainous or predatory, and it's a really horrible stereotype, so I'm really glad they stayed clear of that. Yeah, me too. Me too. Because, it, yeah, it could have really, it could have really gone pear-shaped. It, oh, totally. Glad it but it just was genuine. Yeah, it was just it was genuine. Well, the notes that I have left are still pretty much on this slaughter con, except for yeah. one. And before I get onto the or go back to the slaughter con stuff, um, let's talk about Tabitha, who we just don't deserve, and Archie, who ugh, should just disappear off the face of the earth. Let's talk about. The scene where they go to the railroad and they all start singing and how much I hated that. It was so on the nose. Like Frank is like, what's the guitar for? And then Archie's like, Ding. all right, everybody, let's sing. Like it was so awful. I just hated it. It was so bad. It was so bad. I didn't write any notes about it because I only wrote nice notes. <laughs> oh, girl. I have no notes about Archie, but I remember it. And it was awful. And I hated it. I, And they all, like, two seconds they sung and Fangs is like, oh, the spell is broken. And then they all go and they stand with their partner and they join in on the song. No. What the? Oh, my 
God. And then Tabitha's all like, singing has always been a part of the like the working laborer class and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, everybody just shut up. This is all so dumb. I mean, that is true. Uh, you know, there's aspects of that that is true. And I would say especially for people of color, especially for black folk in America, you know, singing was, you know, a way that they got through the, the days when they were working as slaves and things sure. like that. And that communal thing is but important. we got no but black like, people in this scene. No, I mean, no, uh, other than Tabitha. Like, right, but she's not she's not being forced to make this railroad. No, yeah, I think that that's why they gave her that line though, because about the the music, yeah. Yeah, I, I think mean, so. it's only appropriate for her to say. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Well, back to um SlaughterCon. Uh yeah. you know the guy that's like bringing in the weapons from the Black Hood and stuff like that. Um First of all, how did he even get in with a knife and then a gun? They they need better security if that's if that's the case. But did you hear where he said he bought it from? Eastleigh. Eastleigh. Yeah, I heard. <sighs> I heard. Yep, so did I. I heard and wish he didn't. E. <laughs> e. Slay. E. Slay. Again, yep. you remember that comment that I said that this is the first and last time I'll ever compliment the writers of Riverdale? That's why. Girl. Girl. For one positive, there's 20,000 negatives. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um, and then moving on to some other notes that I have about um, SlaughterCon. Alice interviewing Betty and Betty talking openly about her experience being a prisoner in the well. There is absolutely no emotional reaction from Alice. That is your daughter. I get you're interviewing her, yeah, but she is talking about something very traumatic and very triggering, and there is nothing from Alice, no maternal instinct to protect her daughter or to feel for her daughter, and it was it was awful. I really didn't like it. I was going to say it shouldn't have been her mother interviewing her. I get that Alice is all like the news reporter and stuff, but no, that's... She should never have been the one to to interview her daughter about a traumatic experience. No, absolutely not. No, and and it doesn't even make any sense that she did that anyway, in in any way whatsoever. Because like, if she did talk at SlaughterCon, it should have been about being the daughter of the Black Hood, not about that experience. Because they also haven't even caught him. It's an open case. It's an open case. Like, she shouldn't be revealing this stuff to people in general. And she only just told Archie about it. Like, she hadn't told anybody until she told Archie, and then now she's just telling everybody? That's insane. Insane. Yeah. So, I have a friend, um, as as you know, Heidi, and our listeners may recall, I have a true crime supernatural podcast. I have a friend whose father stopped a break-in and was shot in the head he survived and yeah it's incredible so um i asked to interview him for my podcast as a as a survivor story um and he is like i still literally like i can't go on the record at the moment because the case is still open because the the man that shot him was awaiting trial so Mm -hmm. like he 
while I know information about the case, he wasn't able to say anything about it, like, and, and tell me stuff that I don't know about the case because it's still active. And yeah. she's just like, yeah, this is what happened. And I chopped up a body. Yeah. In like, so nuts. Insane. Insane. Um, my, my next note about, <laughs> about, uh, SlaughterCon, which was to do with Kevin, I wrote, mm. Kevin, you are such a dick. Why would you include TBK in your act when you know it would trigger Betty? Like, what a yeah. fucking asshole. Excuse the Without French, but, like, her. seriously. No, and he could have just told her. Or, like, ran it by her. Like, what? So... And why is that such an important part of your artistic vision? Your artistic vision is absolute shit, Kevin. Because all of his songs were bad. Like, I love that I he did a good job of them, but, I mean, it's American Psycho. The choreography and stuff was just bad. Like, it was just, like, bad concept. Him singing is always great. But concept-wise, right. bad. I mean, it's a hard musical to try and sell. So yeah. he, they're already fighting an uphill battle with that. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Like, who freaking does that? Who does that to their friend? But then, an asshole. But, like, he he got her involved with the cult and nearly cost her her life. Like, he is a bad friend. They should not be asking Kevin to be involved in any kind of thing, let alone no. the takedown of TBK, because, like, wow. Kevin wow. cannot be trusted. We have learned that for sure. Kevin cannot right. be trusted. He needs to die. Oh, my God. I think he needs to die. <laughs> yeah, mean, is that too harsh? Is that too It harsh? might be, but eh, somebody's got to. Like, some main <laughs> character's got to die before the season ends, before the just series needs- ends. He just needs a life lesson. Like, he's so susceptible. He's exactly like Alice. They're so susceptible to stuff that's around them. Um, And the writing just doesn't do them justice, unfortunately. But here we are. No, it doesn't. Well, to give a couple of my my positive notes, I did think that Betty looked so good the entire episode. She just looked like, mwah beautiful in her plaid suits in her little sparkly dress she had the low v-neck as well as cheryl um did earlier in the episode she had it for like the bachelorette and she looks beautiful in her hair i think she just uh, like lily really looks beautiful this season and they're really giving her some good looks um and her song at the end I figured that that was going to be the song that she would sing when they said that she sang. Um, I'm glad we got to see it because I was afraid that they were going to skip over it for a hot minute. Um, but yeah, that's the song that um, the like main love interest sings in American Psycho. Yeah, uh, so, I figured as much. And beautiful choice for her. I thought she sang it beautifully. She looked gorgeous the entire episode. Like some of my notes are just like, yes, Betty, yes, Betty, you look so good. Like, <laughs> That's mainly my positives for the most part. I only have like one grievance with that bachelorette song slash dance. I didn't like that the girls all looked one? at the camera. It, I mean, I'm trying to be positive, remember? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why I didn't um, have any notes about it because I don't have any positives. Uh, 
so bad. You don't have anything nice to say? Well, I didn't yeah. like that they all looked at the camera. It really um, it really took me out of the fact that I was watching a TV show. And it was very jarring. But, um, We're yeah. We're not used to that. And also there- don't look at me. Yeah, and also, I'm sorry, can we let Katie Keene die, please? Like, Veronica mentioned, oh, Katie Keene sent all these dresses from Lacey's. No, she didn't. She's fucking dead. Stop bringing her up. <laughs> she doesn't exist. Well, and it was so, it was so stupid. Because, like, I know exactly, that scene is, like, because American Psycho is, like, super high 80s and, like, not 80s, like, 80s work outfit it's like 80s in the clubs doing coke like in business suits these are the rich new yorkers or who are in the club but they're looking like high-end and they care about designers and like i can totally see that song because it's not just all women it's the ensemble you know having a full like thing about labels and being like high fashion and things like that and that being like the style of the 80s so it's like a really specific um the song is not, like, a general song that, like, you can just sing for a bachelorette party. Like, it doesn't make any sense in that context. No. It's so mm. dumb. <laughs> That's my thought. <sighs> okay. <laughs> well, I have one more note, and then I have your baby Anthony counter. So, my last okay. note is that TBK is dead, quote unquote, because we're in Rivervale, and we're not really sure if he's really dead or whatever, but... Um, I now think it is time for Agent Drake to come in and exact her revenge because that's her dad. I'm I'm not we'll letting go of see. that theory. Or Heather. I mean, it'd be interesting, both right? Of them. Okay, okay. I think Drake being the, da- <laughs> the daughter of him is actually an interesting idea because it's more of that, like, this is why you had a connection with me, Betty, because we're so similar daughters of these serial killers like that's kind of an interesting thing so i kind of like that idea that'd be cool um i thought i i really hope they unmask him i'm gonna be pissed if next episode they don't but i'm kind of worried they're not going to because i think she would have by the end of this episode so we'll see what happens um and my last note since i was on the positive train was i thought that the last conversation (laughs) um and maybe to leave us off on a good point with our notes um i thought the last conversation between archie and betty was really mature and really nice it was like a really lovely little conversation that they had i thought i thought that that was it showed some growth from archie which doesn't always happen ever um and was pleasantly surprised yeah i do too um i I think I touched on it before that I thought it was it was nice that, you know, Drake confessed her feelings and that led to that conversation. But yeah, it was Betty was very much like, I know these are the things that you want. Um, I don't know if I want them too. Is that a deal breaker? And he's like, Nope, we'll work it out. Don't worry, it's fine. Uh yeah, that was really nice. I really liked that because I thought for yeah. just a second this might be the end of them because Veronica's gonna want to yeah. get back with Archie at some point, you know. Yeah. Well, the yeah. last thing I have is the baby Anthony counter. So I have lost count of the overall baby Anthony counter. I think I keep saying 26, but I might be wrong. Do you want to take a guess at how many times it was said this episode? Let's say five. 
you're close. It was four this episode. So I am going to say the total is 30. I actually think we're a little bit past, but again, I've lost note. I've lost uh, track and then I've deleted some of my notes so I can't go back and count it. But let's call it a flat out 30 and I'm actually writing that down. So now anytime it's mentioned afterwards, I can at least add to 30. Yeah, no, that's good. That's perfect. Too many times has it been mentioned. I almost, almost counted that baby as one, but I was like, "Mm, he didn't say Anthony, so I can't write that down. Yeah, I think that baby doesn't count. I I agree. Well, what would Betty do this episode? Oh, man. Betty would... A lot. Betty would fucking do so much. Um, Betty would work hard to catch catch this serial killer that's been you know terrorizing her she would open up you know about lots of different things this episode she would explore her sexuality a little bit like not you know it, uh thoughtfully uh in her mind mentally um intellectually um and she would throw a really awful con but like you know it got the job done i guess um open up about her traumas and things like that and have a really thoughtful conversation with her current partner about what they both want and getting on the same page. And then also murder a serial killer. Oh, yes. Yes. She would also murder a serial killer. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't get a lot of confirmation that it was actually him, just only that that person is dead. So we'll see. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. All right, friends, on that note, we will love you and leave you, and we will catch you next time for another episode of Betty Squared. Bye. Bye.